Good morning and happy Sabbath. Are you glad to be in the house of the Lord today? Amen. I ask and I solicit your prayers. Um, sad to have to deliver a message. Let me say it this way. It's a blessing to deliver a message, but it's sad to deliver a message when you know you're going to be leaving soon. And um, that's why I ask for your prayers, that the Lord may speak, the Holy Spirit. Um, you will also be open to hear what the Holy Spirit has to tell you today, not what I have to say. It's a bit loud. Just before we get into the message, let us bow our heads for prayer. Our Father, which art in heaven, we are so grateful for a place of worship, a place where we can congregate as family in your presence. And Lord, you've brought so many people here this morning, from near, from far, wherever we come from, we are just glad to be here in your courts today. And we know that we will not be disappointed because your Holy Spirit is here to speak to us. And Lord, as we hear your message, I ask that you hide me behind the cross of Calvary and Christ truly may be uplifted, that we may see Jesus, that we may know Jesus, and Lord, not leave here without Jesus. So Lord, speak. Abide with us now. And bless us, we pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. Last week, for those who were here, um, our brother from the Hilo Church came and shared a message with us. And some serious things within there. I know he was... Um, he had a burden upon his heart because throughout his life, uh, many times he'd come to church and he realized that he wasn't living the life. He was coming, showing as if he was living the life of a Christian. But in his heart, Christ was not there. And Sad to say, many times we could come to church and we think all is okay. I can, I can act like a Christian today and tomorrow just go right back to what I was doing. But sad to say, brothers and sisters, we can't be doing that, especially for such a time as it is now. Um, I looked over my life and I've, I've really prayed and I've asked God, you know, Search me, try me, you know. I need to realize, is there anything that I have not given up to you? Am I, am I still holding self? Because that's all that will show, self. I can't put on an act, I can't put on a, you know, a play, because Christ 
while he was here upon this earth, he never once acted. He never once played church. He never once played the Son of God. He was the Son of God when he came to this earth. And he acted the example of a Son of God. And do you know what he was showing us? He says, you are sons and daughters of God. You have to act like it. Not put on a play, but you need to be real from within. And the text that was used last week is a very pertinent text for us to take note of. Joshua 20, chapter 24 and verse 15, when simply Joshua asked the children of Israel, because they'd spent so many years putting on the act that they were serving God, but they were serving other gods. Wherever they would come across, they would start serving the false gods of the other nations. But Joshua put it to them, choose you this day whom you will serve. And that was a serious text, and that spoke to me because my mother has used that many times. She shared that with me, and she asked me, make a choice, choose you this day whom you will serve. And in my youth, <laughs> some of you say, yes, you're still young, and true, yes, I am still young. But when I was younger, I had to make a choice, whom will I serve? Would I do what God wanted me to do, or would I go where I wanted to go? And <laughs> I was like a little Jonah, you could say. I was going in a direction which I knew God did not show me. This is where I want you to go. I went into college, went to university of my own choosing, not of God's will, going into architecture. And I thought I'll get fulfillment going to do that. But while at university, there was such a wrestle in my heart. Such a wrestle. I was going day by day, and my mother saw it. She saw the wrestle in me. I would go, but I, I didn't want to go, but I'd go because I said, okay, I, I've chosen this as my path in life to go. But I knew where God wanted me to be. He wanted me to be in, in ministry, sharing the word of God, because I'd been brought up on the word of God. That's how I learned to read and write, was through the word of God. And the Lord was leading me. He was showing me. And he'd spoken to me distinctly many times in my life, especially when I was younger. Um, when I made the decision to get baptized, he, I heard the voice of the Holy Spirit speaking distinctly. Come. I want you. And I went. And I made that decision because we'd gone through Bible studies and I'd made a decision early in life, but I seen as too young, but at that age, I knew and I heard the voice of God. But many times the enemy wants to sway our decisions, sway our choices to serve God. And this is where I know it is a struggle for many because in life we go one way and we think it's the right way and the Bible tells us there is a way that seemeth right unto a man but the end thereof is what? 
the ways of death to reveal, the end there of his death. And we have to know and understand what is God's will for my life. Now, as you know, my name is, is Aaron, and some who know the what the meaning of the name is, um, means either, you can say it in different ways, a spokesperson, mouthpiece. My mother had called me that specifically because she prayed for a son to be the mouthpiece for God. Just as I uh, know Brother Ayala's wife's name is, is Hannah, she prayed for a son and she got Samuel. My mother prayed for a son, but she prayed for a son to be the mouthpiece specifically for God. And just as Aaron was called to speak for Moses when Moses said, you know, I can't speak, come slow of tongue. She prayed for a, a son to be the one to go forth and speak. So, what does a messenger speak? He speaks the word of God. That's where the title comes from, Our Safeguard. Our safeguard is the word of God. Of God. If you turn your Bible to Genesis chapter 3. Genesis chapter 3. Starting with verse 1. I'll ask you this question. How did the serpent tempt Eve? Think about this. How did the serpent tempt Eve? Genesis chapter 3, and starting with verse 1. Genesis chapter 3, verse 1. If you're there, say amen. amen. It says, Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, Hath God said, ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden? Stop there. How did the serpent tempt Eve? How did Satan tempt Eve? Disquoting? Misquoting? You sure? Distorting? You sure? He was simply just asking a question. Yea, hath God said. Take note of that point. Yea, hath God said. Ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden. What he was doing with Eve here. He was posing a question. But in the purpose to create a doubt. You understand that? Posing a question of what God had said. And what that did, it created a seeming doubt in her mind. And we know the rest of the story here. She was led into the temptation, specifically to eat of the fruit, which God has said, do not eat of it. You see how subtle the enemy can be? He just simply poses a question. And you know he's doing exactly the same thing in our lives today. Yea, 
hath God said? You know why there's so much confusion in the world today? Many people do not know what God says. And God said. And you know with this, he was able to cause a separation. If you go to verse 15. But it says here, and I will put enmity between thee and the woman, and between thy seed and her seed, it shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. Here is just simply God is telling the serpent there will be a separation. There will be two kinds of people. There will be those who, yes, you may follow you, and there will be those who will follow me. Two different types of people in this world. There will be a distinction, a division. Why? Because God's people will do what? They will follow God's word. They will know what God says. On the other side, they may have known what God said, but they could have easily been deceived. Why? Because it's only started here with two, a man and a woman, those who knew God, those who spent time with God, those who loved God with all their heart. But with one pose of a question, yea, hath God said, creating a doubt. That caused two groups to form. Yea, hath God said. Can read it up in um, Patriots and Prophets that this that is exactly what Satan wanted to do. Wanted to sway her away from God's word, from God's law, because all God said in Genesis chapter 2 and verse 16 and 17. And the Lord God commanded a man, saying, Of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, thou shalt not eat of it, for in the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely what? Satan didn't start off by saying, you will not die if you eat of this fruit. Would she have believed him? No. She would have said, no, that's not right, that's not what God says. But by bringing a question, it made her have to think, yeah, what did God say? What really was Satan trying to get at? Let me say, in fact, who was Satan really trying to get at? It wasn't about man and woman. It wasn't about human beings. He was trying to get at someone. Turn your Bibles to John chapter 1. So in Genesis chapter 3, we see the first war on the word of God on earth. That's what we see. And from there stemmed a great division in the earth. And we see the great wickedness of men 
Men are turned so drastically away from the will and the way of God that God had to bring a flood. The two distinctions. God's people who follow God's word. Noah and his family. There were others, but they died before all. As in the case of Enoch, he was taken straight to heaven. But then on the other side, there were those who knew that there was a God in heaven. But they chose to go against what God says, do not worship other gods. And they started doing things which were opposite to what God says. And therefore, that's what brought the wickedness of man. Why? We see it straight away in a marriage. When God said, do not intermarry with those who do not believe like you. What did they choose to do? Go and intermarry with whomever they chose. God said, do not. And therefore, the wickedness just increased and increased and increased. Two distinctions. John chapter 1. We're all there? You can say it together. John chapter 1, verses 1 through to 3. 2, 3. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Carry on. Same was in the be- with God. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. Who's this speaking about? Who, sorry? Are you sure? Okay. Verse 14. And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. The word coming in the likeness of man. Jesus, the word, coming like man. The word. Do we see now who Satan was having a pick against? When he started in the Garden of Eden, who created men and women? Jesus did. So he wasn't getting at Jesus when he wanted to go and tempt Adam and Eve. He was trying to get at Jesus. It wasn't Adam and Eve he was trying to get at, sorry. So this is why we see here the word, the word had to come and save humanity. Jesus, the creator of mankind, had to come and save humanity. That's why the Father didn't come. Why wasn't the Holy Spirit to come? It was the one who created that had to come and save. Why? Because the main battle was against Jesus Christ. Jesus. Now, How do we get the word today? How is the word given to us today? One text, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 16. We there say amen. This is all scripture is given by what? 
inspiration of God. And it's profitable for what? For doctrine, for? Reproof, for? Correction, for? And 17 simply says that the man of God, the sons or the daughters of God, may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. So the word is for our benefit, isn't that correct? We need the word of God, is that right? Given by inspiration of God. Who specifically? 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 21. Familiar text to a lot of people, but we... Sometimes it's good to just go over these simple points. 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 21. 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 21. 2 Peter, towards the book of Revelation, you go back from Jude to 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John, and you come to 1st and 2nd Peter. 2nd Peter chapter 1, verse 21. We all there say amen. It reads, For the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were what? Moved by the Holy Spirit or the Holy Ghost. So who specifically gave the word of God to man today? That's right. So, just as in old time, the prophets, as we go through because of the Old Testament, we know in the New Testament, same way, the Holy Spirit inspired man. Gave the word of God. And Jesus, who is the word, everything in the word, speaks about Jesus. When we go through the word of God, he simply, on the road to Emmaus, this is after Jesus had died, was buried, and was resurrected, he met some disciples on the road to Emmaus, and he was sharing with them, you can read in Luke 24 in your own time, he was sharing with them, he was going through the scriptures, and he was simply showing them, these are things concerning me. Everything the word of God says, it's about me. That's what he was saying. That's me. That's me. That's me. And that's why he had to say in John chapter 6 and verse 63, the words that I speak, they are spirit and they are life. Why did he say that? They are spirit and they are life. Who brings the word? Who brings the word? The Holy Spirit. So when Jesus speaks, <laughs> who brings the word into action? The Holy Spirit. So every time we read the word of God, is it just words on paper? It's God's word, that's right, please. It's God's word. When he speaks, what happens? All that he says. When he said, let there be light, what happened? There was light. Let the earth bring forth vegetation, what happened? The earth brought forth vegetation. When God spoke, 
things happen. He spake, it says in Psalms 33, he spake and it was done. He commanded and it stood, or he commanded and it stood fast. He spake, I'm forgetting it now. He commanded and it stood fast and he spake and it was done. Or I'm maybe saying it the other way around, but Psalm 33. The word brought forth by the Holy Spirit is brought into reality in our lives. And do you know why? When we read the word of God, what ought we to do? What's the first thing we should do when we open the word of God? Oh, we pray. For who? The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit brings to us the understanding of the word of God. Not only that, because we can read the word and we can know so much, but do you know what? He does something even greater than that. He brings the word into reality. So when you read the word of God, you say, Lord, I want that to be done in my life. Bring it forth in me. That's what we're asking for. And that's why Jesus simply said in John chapter 15, verse 5, I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth, what? Much fruit. For without me ye can do nothing. But how do we abide in him? Verse 7, if ye abide in me and my words abide in you. That's how it is done. The Holy Spirit brings forth the reality. And we need the Holy Spirit especially because there are so many false interpretations of the Word of God today. We should see it in its simplest form. As it reads, is what simply God said to be done. We don't need to make no fanciful thing about it. It's as it is. When God said, let there be light, did something else happen? No, there was light. No other interpretation, light. But I want to move a step further. How is the word received? Do you know, this is such a touchy subject. Because how the word is received today is why we see the world in chaos as it is. Turn your Bibles to Matthew chapter 13. Matthew chapter 13. Now, Matthew chapter 13, Jesus taught a parable. The parable of the sower, as many know it as. Matthew chapter 13. How is the word received? In this parable, Jesus was addressing this question. How is the word received in your heart? In your life? Why? He gave examples of four different types of ground. Four different types of ground 
And there was a sower that sowed the seed. Now the seed represents the word of God. The seed also represents the gospel. And as we know the word of God is Jesus, what we are receiving when we hear the word of God is his life and his character. Do you understand that? His life and his character we are receiving. How do we receive it today? That's a serious question. Let me say it this way as well. I'm only one person. I'm only one man. There are many of those who go out and preach the word of God, who share the word of God. We shouldn't go into places, yes, where we know definitely error is being preached. We know they're not going to be speaking on the word of God. Don't even go there. But when the word of God is preached, it may come from the worst of messengers. I'm saying the worst of messengers. But when the word of God is given, what ought we to do? Receive it. Seek the word. Why? There may be something that is happening in your life. The worst of sins which you're struggling so hard to overcome. But you know what? In the worst of messengers, one text which he may share may be just the text you need to break the bonds of sin in your life. One text. Why? The word of God is so powerful. It breaks the bonds of the enemy. It looses the chains of the enemy. It can happen in your life today. If you are willing to receive the word of God. Matthew chapter 13. Going from verse 18. We're just going straight into the interpretation of what Jesus said. Let's see the four different types of soil. We read through from verses 18 through to 23. It says, Hear ye therefore the parable of the sower. When anyone heareth the word of the kingdom and understandeth it not, then cometh the wicked one and catcheth away that which was sown in his heart. This is he which received seed by what? The wayside. But he that received the seed into stony places, the same is he that heareth the word, and anon with joy receives it. Yet hath he not root in himself, but dureth for a while. For when tribulation or persecution ariseth because of the word, by and by he is offended. Verse 22. He also that received seed among the thorns is he that heareth the word and the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and he becometh unfruitful. Verse 23. But he that received seed into the ground is he that heareth the word 
and understandeth it, which also beareth fruit, and bringeth forth some an hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. How many types of ground? Four different types. Firstly, the wayside, then stony places, then thorny, and then good ground. Word of God fell into the wayside. And what happened to the seed that fell into the wayside? What happened? In the wayside? In the wayside? The wicked came and just simply snatched it and took it away. Sometimes the word of God is just there. There for us. The life of the character of Jesus Christ, which the Holy Spirit wants to do in your life, is there. We're willing to hold on. But what happened? We don't grasp to it. What will happen to it? You'll be taken away. How many times have you heard the word? You probably read the word in the morning, and you're like, man, phew. You know, the word of God is so powerful. But as soon as we get up off the bed and we just, or wherever we may study the word of God, we just get up and then we just go and then all of a sudden things start to happen in our house. Children start to annoy. Wife starts to nag or husband starts to nag about certain things. Or can go to school and someone is just pick, getting on our last nerve. They don't know what to do. And we continue to go on as if we didn't even read the word of God. We didn't even study the word of God that morning. How do we react? Many times we just j- jump and just flash. You know, we would just want to react to the situation. What happened to the word? In those times, you know what? The birds are flying around. The birds are definitely flying around. And they're waiting to see what would you do because they just want to simply snatch it away. The word of God. Why? Because the angels of God, they know, and they, they've seen what you're doing. They want to help you remember what you have studied, in addition to the Holy Spirit wanting to bring back to your remembrance. But sad to say, the word of God is many times snatched away as if we had never, ever approached the throne of God. In 2 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 21, it simply says, Prove all things. Hold fast to that which is good. Hold fast. Don't let it go. And you see the word of God, quick and powerful, sharpening two-edged sword, piercing to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and to the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart, the word of God can easily cut away what the enemy wants to do. But hold fast to that which is good. The word of God. 
Second ground, stony places. What happened when the seed went into the stony places? Did the person receive it? Did they rejoice over it? Yes, they did. They received it. They enjoyed it with joy. Oh, boy, I love the word of God. For a time, it's also probably manifest in the life. But sad to say, what happened to that on stony ground? It says, <laughs> the beginning of verse 21, yet hath he not what? Root. Where? In himself. What happened to the word? Word of God you can liken unto <laughs> the love of God. Because Ephesians tells us that we must be rooted, we must be grounded in love. What is the life, the character, the love of God being rooted and grounded in your life? That's a serious thing. Rooted. There was no root. Seed was there. Started to grow. But there was no root. Deep root. When something is deep-rooted, can you take it out? I know some who do farming around here. Can you take it out easy? No. It's deep-rooted. You can't take it out. The love of God is truly deep-rooted in your life. You cannot take it out. Why? Because Satan is constantly trying to attract attention from the word. We sometimes hear a good sermon. Sometimes we, we read some great things from the word of God. We, we just receive it with joy. But you know what? Many times we don't go back and we study to really make it personal and practical in our own lives. Good to go through certain Bible studies. Good to hear preaching week, week after week. But unless we spend time with the word, unless... We ask the Holy Spirit to make it personal and practical in our lives. Where's the root? Rooting in himself, it said. So that means in us, it is a part of us. You can't take it out. Who do we trust in? Because many times we can be easily swayed by things happening around us. And I'll read in you here in Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 5 and 8. There's blessings and curses for the trust of God. It says, Thus saith the Lord, Jeremiah chapter 17, verses 5 through to 8. I'll just read in you here. Thus saith the Lord, Cursed be the man that trusteth in man and maketh flesh his arm, and whose heart departeth from the Lord. For he shall be like the heath in the desert and shall not see when good cometh, but shall inhabit the parched places in the wilderness, in the salt land, and not inhabit it. 
But blessed is the man that trusteth in the Lord and whose hope the Lord is, for he shall be as a tree planted by the, by the waters and that spreadeth out her roots by the river. And shall not see when he cometh, but her leaf shall be green. And shall not be careful in the year of drought, neither shall cease from yielding fruit. There's a water source. A root simply just goes for that. Constantly going for more and more and more. You can't take it away from its water source. If the word of God is our source, Jesus said he is the water of life. This is your source of life. You will have deep roots. The thorny ground. What happened to the thorns? Or to the seed that went into thorny ground? You can answer. They received the word of God. They heard it. But what happened to it? The care of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and he becometh unfruitful. Is there anything or anyone that comes before God in your life? That's a serious question because sometimes we think, no, I love God with all my heart, but there's sometimes one, two, three, ten, twenty, thirty plus things that come before God. And we thought God was first place. See, Satan tries to influence to become his captives very easily. Very easily. Go quickly to 1 John chapter 2, verse 15 through to 17. 1 John chapter 2, verses 15 through to 17. First John chapter 2. Verses 15 through to 17. You there? Say amen. amen. Simply says, love not the what? Love not the world. Neither the things that are where? In the world. Why? If any man love the world, what is not in him? The love of the Father is not in him. If anything is taking the place of God, is the love of God there? No. no. Don't put anything before God. I did that for a time and I regretted it greatly. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes 
and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of what? I want to speak to parents just for a little while. A child is a gift from who? So therefore, a child should be dedicated to who? So therefore, their first mission is to serve who? In everything, a child should learn, first and foremost, to serve God. Remember the children of Israel, when they were going through the wilderness, they were taught the law, they were taught the statutes, they were taught all these things, but what was instructed of them to do? Train their children. Teach them. Why? Because they need to know, because they need to also follow. Why did God even give the laws, the judgment, the statute? It was for their good. Why? Because he loved them. If we ever go astray from what God says, what happens to the life? Destruction, deceit, the love of the world. So that's why a child from a young age, the first time they're able to, in a sense, learn first things. They learn first, you know, from you as parents. You know, the first sight of God, the Father to a child, is through you. They learn to obey God through you. That's how they learn. But child does not learn to obey you as the one who speaks on God's behalf. Will they ever learn to respect and honor God? No. They don't want to. Because if you're the representation of God, I don't, I don't want to serve God. Serious task, training up children. I'm not yet at that age, but uh, I'm seeing. <laughs> I'm seeing so many lessons, studying, spending time with children. I, I'm learning a lot, and I know it's not an, seriously not an easy step. Marriage, one thing, but children. <laughs> and sad to say, that is why you know a lot of the children are not in the church today. They truly learn to honor, love, and honor, respect God. You know where they will be? They'll be here with us. They will join us. And this is what we must continue to remember. Some may have gone the wrong way, but you know what? God still is working on your children. Praise the Lord. God hasn't given up on them just because they may not have been brought up with these things. But the Lord wants you to remember, what is my role? Whom, I, whom am I representing? Because you're still that representative of God to them. They may have strayed, but you're still that representative of who God is. The life and the character of you will show them who God is. So they're still learning.
They may have grown up, they may have whatever, but they're still learning from you. So if you have not lived the example of Jesus Christ, if you have not lived the example of our Father God whom Jesus was simply showing to the world, I pray today you would ask the Holy Spirit to work in you today to live the life. Last but not least, the good ground. The good ground, Matthew chapter 13, verse 23. But he that receives seed into the good ground is he that heareth the word and understandeth it, which also beareth fruit and bringeth forth forth some in a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. Hmm. Let me tell you something. Before I even go into this, you know, the good ground is what we all desire to be. That's how we desire our hearts to be. But let me tell you something. If our hearts were wayside hearts, were stony hearts, were thorn-filled hearts, do you know what? There is hope. There is still hope that you can be good ground today. There is. Why? Brother Albert, I know he loves this text. Hosea 10 and verse 12. You want to share it with us, Brother Albert? Hosea chapter 10 and verse 12. It's a powerful text, and why we need to take note of it, you will hear. Hosea chapter 10 and verse 12. Hosea chapter 10 and verse 12. It's back in the Old Testament um, after the book of Daniel. Hosea chapter 10 and verse 12. <clears throat> oh, go ahead. Hmm. Amen. Amen. How can you sow and how can you reap if the ground is not able to receive the seed in the first place? That's why it simply tells us, break up your fellow ground. Humbly come to God, just as David did. Psalm 51 says, he simply came with a broken and a contrite heart. That's how we must come to God. Repenting from the way we were. Repent means to turn away from. That means the way we were, we are changing to what God wants us to be. Break up the fallow ground, for it is time. When is the time? Time is now to seek the Lord. Why? Because he wants to come and reign righteousness. His life, his character, that's the seed he's sowing constantly. He wants to reign that on us, but also through the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, he wants to pour on us because the Holy Spirit leads us and guides us where? To repentance, one thing, and back to the Word. Back to the Word of God. Ezekiel 36, 26, and 27, there's an exchange 
of the old stony heart. And what does God give us in exchange? A heart of flesh, a heart which is molded, a whole a, a heart which is willing, desiring, loving towards God. That's what God wants to do. Exchange the old stony heart like the stony places. He wants to change that heart in you. Jesus said simply, come, learn of me. Abide in me. And what does he do? He asks us as well, we need to examine ourselves. Examine ourselves. Where does this all lead us to? So much more I want to share with you. So much I want to share with you. But you know what? Turn with me to Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. We're there, say amen. Sound a little bit weak. Just wait a second. We're there. Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 1. Start with verse 1. Now, faith is the substance of things what? The evidence of what? Well-known, faith, we hope for it. The substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. But what is faith? Where does faith even come from? Why? Because we need to know it, because in verse 6, but without what? Faith, it is impossible to do what? Please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that do what? Let me ask you, how do you know God? How do you know God? How do you know there is a God? How? How do you know there is a God? I'm not trying to cause any doubt in your mind like Satan would do. No. Why? Because you need to be assured for yourselves. Why? You know because of the word. How do you know creation came about? How do you know where all these things happened? How do you know where you came from? Why? It says. Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. <laughs> this faith must work by something. Faith must work by love. Why? Because when we first come to the word, who do we get to know? We get to know Jesus. We get to know God the Father. We get to know the Holy Spirit. Therefore, the love in which they showed in seeking to save sinful humanity should spark something within us. We want to love God back for the love he showed toward us. 
That's why faith works by love. Faith is serious. Our faith will be tried, it will be tested, it will constantly be done. But you know what? We need to stand faithful and firm on the word of God. Pose a question, are we saved by faith? Ah. For by grace are you saved, but through what? So where do we even get grace from? You know why? Sometimes we, we think of grace as just, you know, yeah, un- unmerited favor, all these good, good things, you know. But, but you know what, what grace really is? It's God's power and his strength. You can read it in your own time, 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9. That's why he said, my grace is sufficient for thee. For my strength is made perfect in weakness. And that's why Paul exclaimed, most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities, the trials I do go through. Why? That the power of Christ may rest upon me. When we realize truly our nothingness, but Christ's fullness, fullness of his love, fullness of his power, the fullness of his strength, we can claim that because We can't rely upon our own selves to do anything. That's why he said, for without me, ye can do what? Nothing. Therefore, we must rely upon Jesus' strength and his power. And how do we receive that? Why? You know, Jesus did exactly the same thing. He didn't rely upon his own power. Do you know what he did? The Bible says he humbled himself, came in the likeness of man, gave up the glories of heaven to come as a sinful human being, meaning he took upon sinful humanity, the likeness of sinful flesh. But do you know what he did? He broke the power of sin in sinful flesh. Why and how? When he was tempted. Do you know he was tempted to prove his humanity in the wilderness? I mean his divinity in the, in, in the wilderness? If you are the son of God, if you truly are divinity, do this, do that, do this. What did he say? It is written. He, couldn't, he didn't come to prove Divinity. He came to prove that he could overcome sin in humanity. Why? Because he is our example in all things. Every aspect of our life, we look to the Word. The Word shows us whom? Jesus Christ. How did he do? The Word of his Father. I came not to do mine own will, he says, but the will of him that sent me. So when he was told to go to the cross, who told him to go to the cross? 
the Father. It was a struggle for him. Not my will, but thy will be done. Thy will be done. So brothers and sisters, Desires for goodness and holiness are right as far as they go. But if you stop here, they will avail to nothing. I'm telling you the truth. You can desire, you can desire, desire, but unless the word of God brought to us through the Holy Spirit becomes active in our lives, the roots form, the love of God comes deep in us. can say we Christians all we want, but it proves nothing. Serious to ask that question, yea, hath God said? We need to know what God says. We need to be faithful men and women. Yes, time has gone. Some may have looked at time. But unless the word of God is received into good ground, it won't bring forth anything. Why? Because it needs to be manifest in our lives first. And what do we do with the word of God? We share it. We share it. We don't just keep it to ourselves, we share it. We share Jesus. You have your hymnals. Turn with me to 608. 608. And with this song, we'll sing the first and the last verse. Would everyone please stand? Oh! 
white raiment shall be given before the angels he shall know his name confessed in heaven then onward from the hills of light our hearts with love aflame will vanquish all the host of night in Jesus' conquering name. Faith is the victory. Faith is the victory. Desires for goodness and holiness are right as far as they go, but if you stop here, they avail nothing. Many will be lost while hoping and desiring to be Christians. Serious. They do not come to the point of yielding the will to God. They do not now choose to be Christians. Through the right exercise of the will, an entire change may be made in your life. And by yielding your will to Christ, you ally yourself with the power that is above all principalities and powers. You will have strength from above to hold you steadfast. And thus, through constant surrender to God, you will be enabled to live the new life, even the life of God amen brothers and sisters we have to make a choice today just as joshua brought to the children of israel choose ye this day whom ye will serve just as we see way back in genesis there was a choice to obey or a choice to disobey with all heads bowed and all eyes closed just before I pray, I ask, is there one with hands lifted high who wants today to make a decision? They want to serve Christ with their whole heart. They don't want to be a halfway Christian. They don't want to say they believe, they profess, but in the life it is not seen. Why? Because the word of God hasn't truly taken root. They want today that wants to make that decision to serve God with all their heart and invite the Holy Spirit to implant the word of God, the life, the character of Jesus Christ in them. Is there one today? The one who has not made a decision in their life to follow Christ. Especially in uh, baptism, that is a symbol of giving your whole life to Christ. You want the old to go, you want the new to come. Is there one today that wants to make that decision? I want to be baptized, I want to make that public declaration. I wanna serve God with all my heart. I don't wanna be part way. I wanna serve God with my whole heart. Is there one? Your hands lift. I want to serve God. I want to choose God. I want the old to go. I want the new. If there is one today. 
that cry needs to go out because there may be one who is on the verge of decision for Christ even today. You don't need to worry about time. Why? Because it's serious. Christ is in the work of saving souls for his kingdom. And if you need to make that decision today, you can raise your hand and I just ask you to simply just come to the front. We want to pray for you. If there is one. That today, souls who want to have that good heart, that good soil, to be manifest in them today, they want to break up the fallow ground. They want to come to Christ broken with a broken and contrite spirit, repenting of all that they have done. They want to turn anew. Could be a mother, could be a father who, in their life it has not been seen, how truly the life of Christ. But they want today to make that decision. They want that good ground today in their life. If that is you, come forward, come forward. I'm going to break up that ground. Break up that. You ask and hold. Break that ground. I want a good ground. If there is just one. You know, a step shows that you are determined to, to go that way. That's why we ask even to come forward. That's why I only ask. Because the Holy Spirit is speaking to you today. You've heard the word. You know the Holy Spirit is speaking to you. You want to make that decision. You want that broken ground. You want to be good ground. You want your heart to be good ground today. Could be a child. Could be a, a mother. Could be grandma. Whoever. God is speaking to you today. If you don't want to come forth, you want to raise your hand. God, give me that good heart. You want that heart. You want the roots to go deep within. You want to bring forth the fruit, the fruit of the spirit, the love, the joy, the peace, the long-suffering goodness. You want to share God's word. If that is you, you can raise your hand with me today. You want that good heart. Let us pray. Father, it isn't because I wanted to labor long. It isn't because of anything that I wanted to do, but it's because you wanted a message to be shared this morning. Hearts have heard, but it's now from this point forth what will happen to the seed which you have sown. And Lord, you've seen the hearts. You know the decisions. And I just pray that good ground may be in our hearts. That the seed that has been sown may bring forth roots. Go deep 
never to be taken out and will continue faithful, faithful until the day of Jesus Christ's coming. Father, I, uh, I don't know if I will see this congregation again when I leave. I don't know, but I just pray by your grace they may stand faithful unto the end. Father, work in me, because this message was first preached to me. And Lord, I just ask and pray that I can see each of these faces, young and old, in the kingdom of heaven. Lord, today, seal us through the power of your Holy Spirit. Hold us in the palm of your hand. And may we live the life fitting as Jesus was the example of what true sons and daughters will do. Be led by your spirit, led by your word, and will follow faithful. And that's why you said, here is the patience of the saints. Here are they that keep the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus. So Lord, today, seal our decisions, for we surrender our lives to you today that we may live the life of faith. In Jesus' name we ask. Amen. Amen. Amen.